ex-attorney and uh, ex-con, who is a legal commentator par excellence because he knows the law from uh, every possible way in which you can know it. Dom, it's great to talk with you again. Thanks for joining me. Good morning, Frank. I'm uh, I'm honored to be on a show with uh, it's Rick Santorum, Ollie London, and me. It's like a modern version of the Three Stooges, yeah, it, which is okay, which is okay as long as I'm Mo. <laughs> Dom, there are not a lot of radio shows that you could be on where you're the least controversial guest uh, on the show. I'll tell you. Yeah, I got to get used to that. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't. All right. Uh, so you got to explain to me uh, this uh, this Sarah Palin case. So. Yesterday, I was talking about how I was surprised the uh, that Judge Rakoff had uh, dismissed Palin's defamation suit against the New York Times while the jury was deliberating. I didn't understand why he wouldn't simply just let the jury make this decision. And then, lo and behold, um, the jury comes a day later and they find in place of the New York Times. This was uh, Governor Palin's attorney Kenneth Turkle outside of Manhattan uh, Federal Court. We obviously have our own view of the evidence and the law and the facts that came out during this trial. And as you all have done all week and last week, you gleaned from it what you gleaned. We're going to evaluate all our options uh, for appeal, all of our options for any further motion practice uh, in court at the trial level uh, and take it from there. So first tell me, why did the judge dismiss the case if the jury was going to come to a decision anyway, and then give me your take on where this case goes on appeal, Dom. Okay. Well, first of all, Palin and her attorneys knew they were going to lose in the district court. Uh, what this case is about, it's a challenge to the standard that applies to uh, the media uh, under New York Times versus Sullivan, a case from the uh, 60s in the U.S. Supreme Court, which set the standard for uh, a public figure as actual malice which is a very, very difficult standard. You basically have to show that they knew what they were saying was false or they recklessly disregarded whether it was false or not. Virtually impossible to win one of those cases. What happens here is this, is a, this, I believe, is a calculated attempt to get this case up the pipe to the Supreme Court because Sullivan has been criticized for many years. So they knew they were going to lose, and the judge knew that the issue going up was going to be the legal issue, which is his thing, because if he believes they didn't even come close to beating the standard, the case doesn't go to the jury. So he's letting the jury make a decision to kind of put an exclamation point on his decision. Everybody knew they were going to come in for um, for the newspaper. But is that unusual for a judge to make a decision about uh, dismissing a claim while the jury is deliberating? I would think... That's the kind of thing that you would go through uh, before the jur- jury begins deliberating. Yeah, he kind of jumped the gun. Usually what they, what they would do, well, what you do in that circumstance is either you do it beforehand and the jury never comes back, or you let the jury come in and then you make the decision afterwards saying, although the jury came in, blah, 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 uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm going to dismiss for this reason. Um, that, can ha- that happens in criminal cases sometimes. Uh, the the judge will reserve on a motion and let the jury decide. And then if he believes there wasn't sufficient evidence, come in after. I think the reason why Judge Rakoff did it in this case was that he knew that there was that that the legal issue is the key here, and and this is the issue that's going to go up. I think that he just held back. He he wanted to like jump out there, let everybody know 
that where it was going and then let the jury come in. And what the jury, if the jury follows the law, it's no surprise that they came in that way. The question mm. here is what change in the law will the appellate courts, if, if any change, will, will they reach? I think, I think that was the purpose in bringing this suit and taking it this far. Very interesting, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. What do you think happens as this goes to the uh, to the uh, appellate court, the circuit court, and then possibly up to the Supreme Court? Do you think they're going to be able to overturn Sullivan? Uh, well, the 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 uh, circuit court won't because it can't. It's held it's held to the Sullivan standard because it's a Supreme Court case. So I I believe they'll affirm the judge's decision. Uh, and then they have to they have to convince the Supreme Court to grant a writ of certiorari. You need four judges up there to agree to hear the case. Um, they may sense that they may have those votes on that court, you know, uh, or they wouldn't have brought this. Uh, and uh, if the Supreme Court is willing to look at it, I mean, um, it's it, it would it would actually be a big blow to media to change that standard because basically. Uh, you you could almost say anything these days, as long as you have some good faith behind it. Yeah, no, no. I, mean, that I, know, would... I, I know from my own case, the press mangled the, uh, the, the the what the cases were about, you know. And but it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, they 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 had a, they based it on something, even if they got it totally wrong what they were saying. Yeah, heaven knows. So, uh, I don't want to have to stop defaming people. Yeah, yeah, Frank. I mean, listen, you made a life uh, a career out of that. Exactly. exactly. Uh, but by the way, it's a younger man to stop now. <laughs> by the way, in uh, since you brought up your case, uh, do you have uh, any indication in terms of what the Brooklyn DA's office is going to do with with your case? Are they going to retry you, or let sleeping dogs lie, or something in between? Uh, we, well, I mean, there's some there's some talk, negotiation, posturing going on now, which I can't talk about. Uh, we, we, it, it, it may have a resolution in the near future. Uh, when it does, I'll be glad to come on and Got talk it. to you about Got it. Got it. Now, uh, speaking of criminal cases, the Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg has gotten a great de- has gotten a great deal of attention initially for putting out this memo in which he uh, told his ADAs to pursue restorative justice instead of prison sentences and uh, listed a whole bunch of um, of of uh, offenses that they were not going to be seeking prison time for or maybe even prosecuting at all then there was a great deal of controversy about it. Started this whole firestorm. Initially, Alvin Bragg defended it. Then he put out a subsequent memo that seemed to back off this a bit. Tell me, uh, you, give me your take on where we are with this whole Alvin Bragg era in the Manhattan DA's office. I know you actually contemplated running for Manhattan DA a number of years ago. Yeah, that was in the geez, that was twenty five years ago, Frank. It's hard to imagine anything. You remember anything from twenty five years ago, but. Uh, yeah, I was involved in Manhattan Republican politics, so my chances of winning that office were, you know, uh, not not high. Let's put it that way. But uh, but I do know a lot about that office, and I know a lot about uh, the politics and 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 and, and the policy. Um, I think uh, Alvin Bragg kind of he, he he backed down because they scared him. First of all, the, you know, the governor says she can remove him. I'm not even sure the governor could remove him. It's it's a, uh, she's not even sure. They just said it. I mean, it was funny about some of these politicians is that, you know, they're all advocates of democracy. 
until uh, until somebody gets elected they don't like. You know? <laughs> that is a great point. I've noticed that with individuals as well. Is everybody's all for elections and choice until those elections result in uh, choices that people might not agree with? Right, exactly. So uh, Alvin Bragg was very plain about what he was running on. Uh, it was it was restorative justice, kind of like Chesa Bodine in uh, in San Francisco, uh, the uh, the DA in, in Los Angeles, because uh, it Krasner in Philadelphia, right. all the same thing, uh, all the George Soros guys, you know, you know according to the Republican conspiracy theorists. Um, so he was playing about what he was going to do, and 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 that memo was re- was reflective of that. I mean, I have it in front of me right now. Uh, there's a lot of good things in that memo. There are there are you know. What happens is the the legislature will make laws and they'll define something as a violent crime when really it's not a violent crime. They will they will you know they tinker with this stuff, so it's almost like unrecognizable. What he was trying to do here was trying to impose some sort of order on it and be a little bit more um, forgiving or liberal, uh, you know. And and that's you know what what that means to to us or to his constituents, you know, it's a matter of opinion. Uh, for example, uh, a lot of the recent uh, years have shown that the, the courts have uh, liberalized the prosecutor's view of the burglary statutes such that um, almost almost everything is a residential burglary. Uh, and a residential burglary in New York is defined as a violent crime, even if no violence occurs. And that will require a larger sentence. Um, so what happens here is that he in his memo he wrote, we have to view this as to see what happens in these circumstances. Just because it's a burglary involving a hotel and the hotel of uh, a, a, a gym in a hotel, for example, and the hotel and the gym is attached to a hotel, doesn't make it a residential burglary. It's a commercial burglary, which has always been prosecuted at a lower level, but prosecuted nonetheless with a significant sentence. So what he's doing here is he's trying to he's trying to play with it a little bit and get it to where it should be. And you know, I, I can't disagree with that. I think, I think there's been a lot of overreaching in that. Um, with regard to restorative justice, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, 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 what he's saying is to his assistants is don't look at incarceration first. See if there's a first-time offender who is something we can do with. If there's something that, that, we, that does not require a carceral sentence, which means a jail sentence. Um, I, I can't disagree with that. Having having been in the system, having seen guys who are doing way too much time, and then having seen guys who are doing not enough time, there's an imbalance in the system. So I, I can I can actually respect somebody who's coming in and trying to see if he can put some balance to it. Whether or not he's uh, his 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 total plan does that. I mean, that's open for debate. Now, uh, well, you know, I, I commend them for trying. Uh, the one the one question I have about what you just said is you sort of uh, you, you seemed somewhat dismissive of George Soros getting involved in a lot of these uh, DA's races. Now, uh, George Soros is one of the big funders of the political action committee, Color of Change and Color of Change, that pack has spent a lot of money in all the DA's races that you just mentioned, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York. So, I mean, it's not necessarily a a Republican conspiracy theory. I mean, it is it is reality, right? Well, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I mean, but I I don't think they're imposing upon anybody uh, an agenda. I mean, they're just backing up people, I guess, with certain ideas. Right. Um, Right. And, you know, I, I. 
listen, both sides have both sides have conspiracy theories about the other side, and, you know, and 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 I have a conspiracy theory because they have conspiracy. Theories, <laughs> well, that, know, that's for sure. Hey, uh, you are somebody that's uh, served time in state prison, and you have run for the state legislature. I'm not sure how many people can say that, but one person who can is Eddie Gibbs. Now, Eddie Gibbs believes that he is the first formerly incarcerated person to be elected to the state legislature here in New York. And he believes that this is a, a great story about rehabilitation and redemption. As somebody that, uh, that's been in state prison and run for the state legislature, give me your take on uh, the Eddie Gibbs story. Are you hoping that this is the first of many uh, people that have been incarcerated that end up serving in legislature or in other elective offices? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, there's no reason why you shouldn't. I mean, Eddie Gibbs' story is, is, is not an atypical story. He, uh, he it was a manslaughter case. I think he got a one to three. Uh, he was really defending himself. He, in that case, he probably, if, if he had not gotten bad legal advice, the case should have never been indicted. He should have never been charged, should have never gone to jail. But what happens is, you know, they make, they make a little offer. They tell you know the, uh, the the legal aid attorney will tell him, hey, listen, um, you'll you'll you know you'll 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 you're you're in right now. You can't make bail. Uh, time's going to accumulate anyway. Take this one to three. You'll be home, and you know you'll be home in six months. Um, it, it, it's a story I've heard a million times, uh, and he defended himself. If you look at it, it, the guy didn't even commit a crime. If you think about it, from what I understand about the case. So there are a lot of there are a lot of Eddie Gibbs out there. Um, yeah, but I, I will add this: I do believe that we will have more people who get elected to offices with criminal records. I mean, it's inevitable. I mean, fifty percent of Americans uh, will be arrested in their lifetime. One out of three people will have a, a, a criminal record, although some of them be misdemeanors, felonies, whatever the case may be. I mean, you can't have done what happened in the last 40 years, increased prosecutions, increased prison sentences, uh, increased plea deals because pleas dispose of 95% of cases and people take them just to get out of there. Um, You cannot do that without getting deep into the population. You've marked a lot of people with this. So it's not a surprise that at a certain point it's going to shake out and you're going to have people getting elected to office with these things. Mm. Let's say you're an 18-year-old kid who's caught uh, uh, making a felony drug sale and uh, and you do two years in prison, but you get your life turned around, you go to college um, and uh, you get a job, you become a good citizen. And, you know, 20 years later in, in your neighborhood, you become a little bit of a leader. Why couldn't you get elected to the city council? Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree. I can't believe uh, if you, uh, uh, you know, we live in the same community. I'd vote for you if you ran for office. That's for sure. Um, uh, let, let me <laughs> I differ. I wouldn't. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Kessa Bodine, the district attorney in San Francisco. He is saying that police there in California are using DNA collected from sexual abuse survivors to investigate unrelated offenses. He says the practice could be unlawful and might actually dissuade people from reporting sex crimes. What do you think? Oh yeah, he's right, hundred percent right. I think he said. I think the whole thing is in San Francisco is that he's in a he's in a battle with the police. Uh, the police don't necessarily agree with his policies, 
um, maybe in a way that the police here don't agree with um, um, Alvin, Alvin Bragg. Bragg's policy. Yeah, uh, and I I think the um, they're like they're they're trying to like every which way to maneuver around stuff. I, I I think it's inherently bad. You have somebody who comes in who's victim of a sex crime. Obviously, there's got to be a rape kit done because there's got to be physical evidence. I mean, listen, you can get a conviction for. Uh, a sex offense without physical evidence, but with the physical evidence makes it, you know, you have DNA, things that would help get a conviction. Um, they, they increase the odds, obviously. Uh, so if if they're using that to then check the DNA against the DNA database to see if the person making the complaint is wanted for something or um, or uh, they, you know, they're, they did a burglary or something or whatever the case may be. Or how about this one? They check that DNA and then run a, uh, uh, a search against the family DNA and, and get the secondary DNA of somebody else in there yeah, and put them in there. I, I mean, I, it's very frightening. It's one of the key reasons I'm not eager to give one of my, my DNA to one of these DNA testing uh, genealogy, uh, genealogical websites because uh, who knows what's going to happen, not just for me, but one of, uh, you know, one of my relatives. Uh, Dom, you were one of our honorees for New Year's Eve Eve in Atlantic City last year. Well, how would you describe your experience uh, for, as your first New Year's Eve Eve uh, ceremony? Well, um, it was it was interesting. In 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 many ways, I felt I felt like I was in the land of misfit toys. <laughs> uh, but everybody was wonderful, Frank. It was a great evening, and I I was truly honored to be honored there. Everybody was great, and. Uh, you know, I look forward to coming as a, as a guest next year. If wonderful, you wonderful. You count on it. The, the, the struggle for you is going to be to stay out of prison between now and December. So uh, just work on that, and we'll be happy to have you back. I will, I will. All right, uh, Dom Crispino. Uh, Dominic, I, I will talk with you soon, and uh, I'll look forward to uh, our next interaction on the radio as well.